From the beautiful campus of California State University, San Bernardino, and the College of Arts and Letters, thank you for tuning in to the CSUSB Cal Podcasts. These podcasts focus on all things in the College of Arts and Letters. From our innovative, creative faculty in their teachings and outside projects, to staff insights, and our students carving their way in these COVID times. Welcome to the Cal State San Bernardino College of Arts and Letters podcast series. I'm Kelly Cluquet, Operations Manager for Coyote Radio and Advertising, and a pleasure to have our guest today, Dr. W. Benson Herrer, Dr. Ben Herrer, who is a longtime friend and supporter of CSUSB, and specifically the Robert and Francis Fullerton Museum of Art, RAFMA, where his unbelievable collection of Egyptian artifacts is on display for you. Welcome, Dr. Herrer. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Let's start off by where you grew up and how that was and how it shaped your life as it is now. Well, I grew up in a town called Upper Darby, which is suburban Philadelphia. And it was uh, during the depression, so nobody had too much, but everybody got along. Then I uh, went to uh, to Princeton, and uh, following that, went on to medical school and graduate uh, residency at the University of Pennsylvania. What was the path that led you to the Inland Empire? Uh, the Air Force. At the time that I was taking my residency, um, I was married and had three children, and. Um, the Air Force gave me, paid me to take my residency at the University of Pennsylvania because they didn't have training slots themselves. And because of that, I owed them four years of service and they sent me to Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino. And that's how I uh, fell in love with Southern California. And we are all better for it. So let's talk about when you first started collecting Egyptian artifacts and how did the first item come about? Well, the first thing I bought with no thought of it being a part of a collection was a necklace for my wife, which was scarabs that had been in the estate of the, the Curtis family who had the Saturday Evening Post and sponsored some digs for the University of Pennsylvania. And I bought that for her uh, actually at the end of medical school. And later when I was in San Bernardino, we decided we should uh, get it insured and the insurance company insisted we get an appraisal. So I went to a, a dealer in Los Angeles who very cleverly gave me an appraisal and refused to charge. So I bought a little something from him, which of course was my first fake. And then later we took a trip to, uh, to Egypt in 1973 and I sort of fell in love with Egypt. And at, um, the, the following year, my wife went to law school <clears throat> And we got an apartment in Los Angeles. So I was going in once a week and spending a night with her. And usually I had an afternoon when I would go visit dealers in Los Angeles. And over those years to 1976, I bought hundreds of objects. 
So the collection at RAFMA and Cal State San Bernardino, how did that come about? And what was the year that we started that? I think it was, I believe it was 19, around 1989 or 90, the university got a grant from, uh, I guess it was the NEH, to put on an exhibit. And they were working with Zagazig University in uh, in Egypt, and everything was going along splendidly. They had been given $50,000 or so. And as it was coming down to the wire, the Egyptian government decided that they wanted to uh, make money out of it, just like they did with King Tut. And they wanted an outrageous fee, which the university couldn't begin to afford. And um, so somebody, at the university knew of my collection, which had been, um, I'd been very private about, and asked if I would loan it so that they could put on an exhibit, uh, which we did in uh, 1991, and produced a very nice uh, catalog for it. And that sort of uh, outed the whole thing. And uh, that was where I got started. Also, I would should mention that uh, Early after the university started, I became friends with John Fowle, who was the first president, and uh, uh, his urging had a lot to do with it. Prior to having it at RAFMA, your Egyptian artifact collection, where did you store it and how did you store it? Where was it? On a, my house was awash with Egyptian antiquities, all wall space and cabinets and closets and everything else. Did you ever feel any spirits come out? Uh, none that I was aware of. <laughs> <laughs> there is a story about a haunted artifact at Rafma, an election, oh. so to speak. So of all the things you've done, besides the wonderful collection of artifacts on display for everybody to enjoy, you've been involved with other projects. What is a project that you can tell us about that you're proud of that you started and were involved with at CSUSB? I think it was building the museum. Um, I think to this day, we probably have the largest museum in the system because when the, uh, the state put up whatever the amount of money was to build a new museum, we were able to uh, get a committee together and raise the funds to double it. And uh, through a very convoluted process, um, leased the land from the state and built the museum and then donated it to the university so that we have a museum that's twice the size that it would have been otherwise. So I think that's the thing I'm most pleased about. It's fascinating. Are you still collecting and how is that going? What is the process? Um, well, I don't collect much anymore that uh, in recent years, things seem to find me more than I find them. Uh, I'm very well known uh, among dealers and collectors, and people may have things that they think would be of interest to me, and so they contact me, and uh, if, it, uh, if it appeals to me, particularly if it has to do with my field of uh, obstetrics and gynecology, then I'm inclined to acquire them. Is there a certain period, an era, so to speak, that is um, your favorite? Not really. Um, the 
Egyptian artifacts are so rich in uh, their context of meaning that anything from pre-dynastic through even to the last of the uh, the Roman period Egyptian things are of interest to me. Do you have anything from the Cleopatra era? <laughs> I'm sorry, it was that again. Do you have anything from Cleopatra? <laughs> oh, I wish I did. No, unfortunately, I don't. Okay. Yeah, just, you know, silly girl. I do have things from her era, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, silly girl still in love with, uh, with Cleopatra. That's me. So what are some of the things from that era that are uh, of particular uh, interest? Uh, that are at Rathma. Um, well, recently you just got a donation of um, a limestone plaque which has two snake bodies with uh, goddesses and gods' heads on them, uh, one of which is um, the goddess Isis and her son Horus, and in the middle is a bust of uh, Serapis, who was a god that the, the Greeks put in to sort of legitimize their presence in Egypt. Give us uh, a little history for laymen of why they preserved and uh, uh, did tombs and everything, if you can encapsulate that in a, a little history lesson. Uh, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. The, uh, uh, the Egyptians had composite representations of the gods. The certain animals were either sacred to the god or represented the god, or in some cases really were the god. And they put all sorts of bizarre combinations. So to take a snake and put a human head on it or take a human body and put a snake's head on it uh, was uh, perfectly compatible with uh, the way they viewed their religion. and. Uh, Seems very bizarre to us, but uh, obviously it made sense to them. Were the artists and the sculptors of that time held in high esteem, or is it not something that is known? We know at least that some of them were. Most, most of them were unknown. There are a few cases where we have the actual name and know who the artist was, but their work was highly prized, and it's... Uh, it's astonishing how fine some of their things, like some of their jewelry and their carving was just exquisite. And they worked with uh, hard stones like granite and yet could uh, turn them into beautiful objects. Is there something ahead with Cal State San Bernardino and RAFMA that you will be involved with in the future that you know of now? No, I don't know, but I'm open to uh, suggestions, so. I've uh, treasured my relationship with uh, with uh, CSUSB, and uh, I think it's sort of the uh, an oasis in uh, in the wilderness in a way. But I've always felt, both for my practice of medicine and as far as the university itself, there is excellence in the boondocks, and people tend to look down on San Bernardino for a variety of reasons. But the truth is, the university is a source of excellence. And I think the students hopefully appreciate just how good it is. I agree 100%. It's a gorgeous campus too and wonderful, wonderful people. I'm blessed to work there. Um, finally, do you have a bunch of artifacts still in your house? 
Um, yeah, I still do. And uh, every year I dribble a few more off to the university. Dr. Ben Harris, thank you so much for your time today. It's been my pleasure to visit with you. Stay positive and test negative. Thank you for having me. We hope you have enjoyed today's CSUSB Cal podcast. Look for other episodes from the College of Arts and Letters on the campus of California State University, San Bernardino.